Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm not sure which one, Gene or Cisco. I don't know, the dead one or the guy that's dying or the fat one, whatever. True love story between a man and his boy, his rent boy. I might have been He called it himself a horrible movie. Our dreams are young and we both know they'll take us where we want to go. Hello and welcome. We're back. It is episode 214 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. I, of course, am your host. My name is Brian Beckner. I am here every week. I am stoked that you are here to join us for a very special episode of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We're talking about a movie. We're talking about a classic movie. We've we've teased that we would discuss this. We had this group together before to discuss Karate Kid Part 2, quite possibly the worst movie in the history of Hollywood. Well, there was a sequel to that, Karate Kid Part 3, and we are here to talk about it now. I am joined, as always, by Ed Daly. Ed, what's up? Uh, by Karate Kid 3, you mean best movie in Hollywood it history, might be. right? It might be. It's it's exceptional. Um, also joined, as often, by Jason Stewart. Jason, how are you? Hello, everybody. A little tough to get a hold of you um, when we were, at the time, we were supposed to start. Was there, was there Bing? Was Bing involved? Were you giving anybody viruses? Let's just put it this way. I had a, I had a very strong root uh, that is now a relaxed root. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is not that kind of show. And we are also joined by special guest of the show. He comes on from time to time to either review movies or discuss The Bachelor. He is a legend in the Bachelor community. Of course, I'm talking about Steve from Loyola Marymount University. Steve, how are you, buddy? Hey guys, how you doing? Hey Steve. So stoked. I've been uh I've been waiting so long for this one. I think when we finished Karate Kid 2 is when I said I will be on the next time and it's going to be Karate Kid 3. We are doing this movie and we finally got yeah. to it. Yeah. We had two two inexperienced Karate Kid 3 guys. Yeah. I know. This is unbelievable. I lost my Karate Kid 3 virginity this weekend. So yeah, it's I had never seen this movie. Uh we wanted to discuss it. I knew it would be terrible or great. Or greatly terrible, uh, so I was I was happy to jump in. I watched it for the first time this weekend, as I believe did Jason Stewart. Is that correct, Jason? Yeah, I don't know what I was doing um, in 1989. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I was working at a movie theater. My first uh, my first paid job. I have no idea how this uh, missed my radar. I, I have no idea why I did not see this, but I never did. Well, it's kind of crazy. Maybe maybe you walked in during Act One. And you just thought they were playing Karate Kid 1 again. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Uh, yeah, I don't – this was not on my radar either. I knew there was a 1 and 2, and then I thought 3 was the one with that dude, um, Hillary Swank. 
Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see this. I didn't see this in the theaters. This was like you know, like a movie marathon in college kind of thing that showed up. Yeah. So well, and let's let's make a clarification that this franchise ended with this movie. I don't count. No, next, nobody. Next Karate Kid with Hillary Swank. I don't count the Jackie Chan and Will Smith not. kid. One. No, not. that's just delete those from the annals of cinematography. Well, the, Will Smith, the Will Smith kid one. He's like ten. Yeah. I mean, who who who's invested in a love story where nobody has sex? Yeah. How's he? Like, have, how's he have a love interest? Well, I mean, in, in, hard pass on any love interest that's not having sex. In Will Smith's kid's defense, uh, Daniel San's not having any sex. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much my first note about this movie is that they completely clipped the balls off of any kind of romantic storyline. With the woman admitting right away, I've got a boyfriend in Columbus, and I'm leaving in a couple months. Like, that's, what, what, is, what kind of stupid plotline is that in a, on a romantic sense? Well, that that's because they wanted to, there to be nothing in between the true love story between a man and his boy, his rent boy. <laughs> or, yeah. or a man and his tiny little pine trees. Uh, okay, qu- quickly, let's talk about the Karate Kid Part 3. We'll give you the particulars. It came out in 1989. Uh, I was 14. Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I was going to the movies a lot in 1989. I did not see this one. I didn't know it existed. It is, of course, a martial arts drama film. It's the second sequel to the original massive blockbuster, The Karate Kid from 1984. It stars, of course... Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. Um, and then there's, a, then there's a, a love interest played by Robin Lively. And she looked familiar. She, I think she's just kind of like bounced around TV shows forever. She's a redhead. Well, she, yeah, she's, I mean, she's European Rusty Griswold's sister and Blake Lively's older sister. Like they're, they're Hollywood royalty. Right. I, be- I believe a uh, couple other things on Robin Lively. Number one, she was the daughter, the older daughter in Wildcats. Oh, and yes. that's uh, right. She dyed her hair red. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was or, hot. Or orange or something. Yes. No, and no I, she wasn't there. No, she was, she was still I, young then. If I'm not mistaken, I believe she was probably on every ABC after school special dealing with bulimia back when I was in high school and watching health 1991 videos. ABC after school specials. She was Melissa not Harmon. Quite human. She had a robot brother, like a the less, wonder type the thing. less than perfect daughter. Oh wait, she was a nurse on Doogie Hauser for a couple years. Nurse. Uh, uh, guest appearance on quantum leap, Chicago hope. Dream a little dream too. Who could forget? Oh, oh, the reboot of the Love Boat in '98. Love Boat, the next wave. X Files. Right? Yeah, Crossing Jordan, the Drew Carey show. She bounced around. It was, it was, it was actually she was called on the every ne- show nobody's seen. That's yeah. Pretty it was actually called the Next Wave. Yeah, Love Boat, the next yeah, wave. Yeah, the, the Love Boat's like a cruiser line. Yeah, There's no like waves. You don't There's want no there waves. to be waves. It's not a catamaran. No, that's the worst. Well, part. there was a wave of cocaine that hit Julie. <laughs> that's, that's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one thing is for certain about this uh, cast. If you want to start with Robin, um, either it was purposefully done on the cheap hiring um, unknowns and hope to will be superstars. I mean, the two villains I have not heard of since 
Um, and this Robin Lively is very forgettable. Nobody took off from this movie. Let's make that point and clear. Well, somebody, but, yes. But the two villains that didn't take off, that's Hollywood's fault. Not, 100%. Not their fault. 100%. I mean, holy shit. Uh, these are great villains. One of the villains, Thomas Ian Griffith, he plays Terry Silver. Um, he later went on. He played Rock Hudson in a biopic. Yes, he played Rock Hudson. You're also looking at his Wikipedia. Um, he was on a soap opera. He didn't do much, unfortunately, which is shocking because he was. This was his film debut. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, his his film first debut. He gets to be Terry Silver, first like. and last movie. <laughs> this is like Ichiro's rookie year, winning MVP. <laughs> Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then, of course, um, uh, the karate's bad boy Mike Barnes, who he uh, played Jason Quartermain from General Hospital. In General Hospital, and I saw, I saw that he was in like six hundred episodes, but that could be only be like a month. Of, they 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 produce so That's many true. of those shows. But I know this from my mom. I, apparently, he had a bit of a booger sugar problem. Interesting, and yeah, yeah, he kind of went off the. Uh, the general hospital rails because it takes a lot to get fired from a soap. It does. They really need yeah, you there. Every six, day. 667 episodes of bold and the beautiful Dude, for Mike Barnes, which what, is fascinating. I'll tell you what though. There are some honeys on those soap operas. I bet Mike Barnes was balls deep 24 seven. Like it, one, he's a handsome fella Two, He's karate's bad boy. C. The guy is a martial artist. Like he's he's doing his moves. Chicks are into it. I bet he did very well for himself in the soap opera world. Uh, okay, the plot of the movie. Everybody remembers. Before we get to that, Brian. Oh, yep. I, I do need. I need. I do need to point this out. If you look on the Wikipedia page, I'm looking at it. Um, I'm not sure which one, Gene or Cisco. I don't know the dead one or the guy that's dying or the fat one. Whatever. Oh, they're both one dead. of them. Both dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of them said the saving grace about this movie was this guy, Terry Silver. Absolutely. The, the actor 100%. that played Terry Silver. I Best. thought it was a freaking <laughs> over the top, ridiculous what? villain that sucked. Oh, I agree to disagree. Oh. I, I've never seen Stu. a more realistic depiction of a man. 100%. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the plot of the movie John Kreese, down on his luck. He's been his he's been waylaid by his loss, the loss of the Cobra Kai in the All Valley Karate Tournament, which is a little interesting because his guys were like all over the podium. Yeah, they didn't win the that like Daniel LaRusso won the title, but the but Bobby was top three, Johnny was second place, runner up, like all of his guys, Tommy was in there, Dutch. Like, it's weird that his whole dojo would fold despite the fact that he was all over the podium at the All Valley Karate Tournament, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where I, where was he supposed to be? Where was Barnes supposed to be from? I think he, Ohio, did they say? He imported him. Well, uh, I know he he picked him out of a magazine, like a, like a lecherous mail order bride yeah, what was that ad <laughs> karate's bad boy what were they advertising in that magazine that was very weird uh, so he did a write-up on high school kids he subscribed to all the hip karate magazines in 1989 asked, that was the thing he asked like, his terry silver got his rolls what was that a rolls royce that, that he was royce, in yeah. he's like yeah give me 
the best karate mags that you can find while I roll to the airport, and I want to see who's good. I'm going to recruit him. This is basically I mean, the AAU circuit on the karate level. You know who also 100%. did that? Jared from Subway. Yeah. <laughs> get me, get me the best kids karate magazines. Uh, so let's we, we could just get into the movie. That, that's how it starts. John Kreese's dojo is done. He also apparently doesn't own a razor. He looks like he's down on his luck, and it's weird because the. The, the story picks up like just the karate tournament ends and then um, Daniel and and uh, Miyagi, they go to Okinawa to s- sort shit out like but right that's afterwards. Skip from the montage. What's that? The, the Karate Kid 2 has, n- yeah, they has no out. appearance in the montage. Except for it's just Kimiko. one. But, th- but then they show him. So Kreese is down on his luck. He doesn't own a razor. His 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 dojo is all dusty, and there's all this unopened mail. But it's only yeah. it's only been a couple of weeks since the All Valley. Like, how has it gone and, to shit so quickly? Yeah, the only thing that isn't dusty is the the picture on the wall that says Captain John Kreese, U.S. Army, 1970 to 72 Karate Champion. Yeah. So this is we were still active in Viet- Vietnam. I think they started signing papers in 72. Right. So. In the middle of Vietnam, they were crowning karate champions. <laughs> yeah, they're doing karate tournaments in the army. Yeah, um, and yeah. and Crease is like done. The the All Valley people are calling him for back dues, which is can't be that much money, right? And also, how is it? The tournament just ended. They're already they're already looking to collect for next year. <laughs> yeah, and if you know anything about youth sports, like as a parent, like you got to pay all that money up front. Yeah. So, like, even if these parents are like, "Fuck this, we're not doing this," it would take a long time for him to be out of money. Oh yeah, you got to they they auto pay that stuff now. They they deduct. Yes. like you're not you're not getting out of that without a court order. Um, so he's, this is my, this is my question for Carbone. Cause I know he's the, uh, he's the, he's the resident yeah. expert on this particular movie. 100%. Um, well, what is the timeline here, Steve? Cause if he's down and out and he's getting collection calls from the all Valley tournament the following year, I mean, what are we supposed to believe? Cause he shipped it to Tahiti. I mean, what's the timeline here? It, 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 it confuses me within the first 10 minutes. What, what are we looking well, at here? They never really dive into exactly how long after one ended and two, like when did they go to Okinawa? How long were they in Okinawa? Do we really, I guess we added up all the days that they talked about when Sato said you got three days to mourn right. and all this. I mean, we really don't know when this one was, but we know the All Valley is held that first weekend in December based on the poster from right. the first That's movie. right. December 19th. So I'm guessing guessing we're a year later. UCLA guy, right? Wasn't that? Didn't we realize that Gaston Green was was banging alley with an eye? That's right. So that would have been prom season, which was what? Uh, June, May, May, May May ish. So yeah, this is probably six months after. So he goes to Okinawa in the summer of that year. The scene, right? So he goes to Okinawa, but they do say that one that one scene where he approaches Silver. When he's beating up homeless men to classical music, he he says, "I haven't had a new student in nine months." So uh, we oh. have to assume it's November. I mean, I mean, it's September, yes. right? Yes. So he just got back from Okinawa. Yeah, it's around September. So we got September. three months till this tournament. Okay, parents yeah. pay up front. Like, there's no yeah. way that he would be out of money. No, no, a hundred percent. Got to agree with that. So Crease is down on his luck, and he's he's like all good army rangers he's just immediately ready to give up he goes 
He goes and <laughs> visits his rich buddy with a ponytail, and his his buddy is like super wealthy. He lives in like a museum, and immediately we find out that his business is nuclear waste, <laughs> nuclear waste <laughs> dumping. Yeah, which, yeah, which I thought was a little on the nose. I thought that I thought I I wrote down that I thought it was he was like an early cell phone guy. No, no, he's like was he dumping nuclear waste? Like, what do you, what do you mean you can't? I thought dump- it was like silver tech tech corp. No, he's he's like, what do you mean you can't dump plutonium in Borneo? It used to be that. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. But when you meet him, yeah. he's got his Pat Riley slick back with he's the ponytail. Amazing. He's amazing. He's just rolling homeless dudes yeah. in padding. Yeah. Like he's just, yeah. he's just playing like Bach and just rolling homeless dudes with mullets. Also, he's bathing a lot. He takes a lot of meetings while bathing. He's in, he's in the sauna on the phone. <laughs> he's in, he's in a tub with people around him. He's got a lot of servants where he's smoking cigars. He's got all the trappings of a very, very rich dude, like a daddy Warbucks type, a very cartoonish rich man with a ponytail, right? It encapsulates what evil was in 1989, nuclear waste. Yep, 100%. And, and rich people in ponytails and yeah. yeah and a ponytail and so what's the nature of his relationship he was he was in Crease's uh platoon and he's a cobra kai alum is that the deal well i th- yeah and yeah. He, he saved his life his life more times than he can count that's right, right. That's, that's a lot of sense. oh yes yeah yeah here's my note it said like they wanted to this was like in the establishing scenes he yearned for the good old days of dumping nuclear waste yeah, yeah last <laughs> Last week, you said you couldn't dump nuclear waste. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so he's so Crease and Terry Silver are old buddies, and Crease is like, "Hey, I'm hanging them up. Like this fucking the karate game. It's just not for me. I haven't had a new student." And Terry Silver's like, "Fuck that." He's like, "You just need a vacation, buddy." And he, so he sends him off. He sends him off yeah. to, uh, to Tahiti. To Tahiti, and they drive up to LAX, and he drops a very unfortunate uh, racial term, and he call and he calls. He does it twice in the movie. He calls Miyagi a, a slope, which I feel <laughs> was very uncalled for. <laughs> hey. Johnny, why don't you go get yourself a few uh, soapy massages from the locals, yeah. and uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go murder this old slope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I I can't remember. Doesn't isn't it one of those scenes where Crease like walks into the airport as Daniel right. son? Yeah, yeah they, as like, Daniel and yeah, as Daniel and Miyagi are coming off of uh, so, coming off so the plane from Okinawa. Back to Steve's point, like they just went on a quick vacation. They're back. And creases all down and out. Yes, like exactly. All they all they could have done is gone to Okinawa. That's all they've done. Right. They've been in Okinawa a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. They arrive home, and of course, but, but yep. An important important thing here, and Steve, let me know if I've left anything out. Like the the rich guy, the new villain. We were introduced to a new villain, Terry and they're Silver. shipping they're, they're shipping Terry out Silver. the old villain. Yeah. And Silver has made him a list of promises. Not only is he gonna, he's gonna make the two guys in pain. That's right. Uh, Crease promise act, makes him promise to bloody their knuckles. Like, what? What's yeah. the deal with the? What kind of promises has he made here, Steve? Well, I think it, it's funny if you if you look at these 
actors. I think one thing that needs to be told right off the bat when it comes to Terry Silver and Daniel LaRusso is at the time of this filming, and I, I guess still to this day, in real life, Daniel LaRusso is four months older than Terry Silver. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? And then straight from the IMDb page, Thomas Ingram. Real? Yeah. yeah, Thomas Ingram. They're both born in 62. I looked it up. So it says on the IMDb, IMDb page for the movie that Thomas Ian Griffith, who portrays a Vietnam veteran, was only 13 <laughs> years old when the Vietnam War ended. <laughs> so any, any thoughts of him being saved by Kreese in Vietnam? Yeah, no. But when you look at it, he did look like he could be. I mean, Rob yeah, Macho is the fountain of youth, basically. Right, I mean, of course. But yeah, Macho was only 27. Here. Ralph Macho was 28 when the movie was made, and so was Silver. But Ralph Macho is four months older than him in real life. Crazy. Which, watching it, you're like, Silver looks about young 30s, and Macho looks 21. Yeah. Like, that's the way I look at it. And, but, yeah. And Crease looks 58. Like, it's it's weird that he and, and Silver are contemporaries. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they so – Daniel, they, they cross at the airport. Daniel and Miyagi are getting off the plane. They're, they're like, all right, hey, hey, where's my mom? Like no one, the, these people have a real hard time making phone calls. Like the whole plot of, the whole plot of Karate Kid Part 2 could have been solved with one phone call during the co- course of 40 years. And again, they arrive at the airport and he's, uh, and he's like, where's your mom? Oh, I don't know. I, I must have told her the wrong day. <laughs> So then, yeah, but also remember the beginning of Karate Kid Two. She, they have that whole down. weird scene yes. where he builds like a wing to his house because he's like, "You're you're living with me." They went on a vacation, and then it's like, "Oh, what are we gonna do?" Right. Like, yeah. So then they go. Then they go to his apartment in Reseda, and they're physically tearing down the apartment. And he's like, "Oh, I have nowhere to live." Well, the whole plot of the beginning of Karate Kid Part Two was that he was moving in with. Uh, Miyagi, like the, the, right. it's like they had. So they should just picked the up second, where they left off. Yeah, they hadn't watched the second movie. And, it's, and also, it's, why would he be surprised by like they don't move that quickly in dismantling no, a, a no, apartment building? No. Like he didn't know that they were. He only went to Okinawa. Well, he didn't live in Okinawa for six months. Well, you could say that, but the but the woman that hangs out by the pool was sitting out front on her suitcase. Like they <laughs> yeah. showed up to demolish she, the building, and she was still she living there. Definitely was going to Skid Row. Oh, yeah, she, she had that, nowhere to go. She had nowhere to go. <laughs> that, that cab was not taking her anywhere. <laughs> to me, <laughs> to me, this scene is like the most realistic part of the movie. To me, it, it brought me back to a time, and it made me think like before cell phones. Yeah. People did just show up to disasters. Like it, there was, you know, nowadays if something happens to me, I text my parents and say I was just home invaded. But in the 80s, like you had to show up in person to find out that something horrible had happened. And how about this for a, a tangential question for you guys? In the 80s, how did you pick anybody up from the airport? It's crazy. It's crazy you would just show up at a time. How did you yeah, how, just hope that the, the fight was on outside top. of a stadium or something, J- Jason? And, and that was when you were allowed to go in and right. wait at the gate. You, you didn't have to in. wait at baggage claim. You just walk in and just go to their gate and stand there as they come off the plane and wave to them. You could cruise in. Now, Jason, is home invaded? Is that some sort of euphemism for <laughs> an- anal sex? Home invaded. Yeah, you had, you no, that's, your, that's a good point. You had your home. Okay. <laughs> 
yeah, so Daniel's house is being torn down. His mom sets him up to live with Miyagi, which she did in the second oh. movie already. I don't know why they do it again. And then he has a he has a phone call with his mom. She's she's bounced to New Jersey to see Ed Daly and to take care of his sickly Uncle Louie, who do, who looks like he's only got a couple more days. And a quick, she's like, "Hey, what's up with you and Kimiko?" And he, he she, and Daniel, who was in love with that Kimiko, was the only reference to Karate Kid too, right? right? Yeah, he was in yeah. love with Kimiko like two days before that in the timeline. Like they were gonna they spend their lives down. together. He's like, "Oh no, she got a job with some dance company in Tokyo, so she was like, fuck off." And then how about <laughs> Miyagi? Like the long love, the the true love of his life, because. Yeah. They in Karate Kid too. They made it seem like his marriage was a complete sham, That's and right. his true love was this That's woman. Right. And it's like, well, I do have a flight home, so uh, peace. See you later. Yeah, he falls yeah. in love in the second movie with this with his long lost love, who he couldn't have called for forty years, and it's just Stop over. Her. It's like two days later. Yeah, uh, but we do find out in this scene what the true love of Miyagi's life is and that is of course trimming tiny little trees <laughs> bonsai it's all yeah. about have bonsai you, have you ever thought about opening a bonsai store like that's one of his first questions to Miyagi when he gets out <laughs> yeah. of has, like has anyone ever thought of that who's, who's ever seen like, a bonsai is, store have you ever seen a bonsai store <laughs> yes. like I know there are a bunch of little shops that sell you could find a shop that sells anything and even in 1989 I can't for the life of me think anybody would go to a shop no. to buy a tree no it's a front if it's a front I guess that's what right. it is right yeah yeah if you're definitely selling selling heroin if you're selling cocaine <laughs> yeah exactly um so and then we we see um crease is like he's getting massages in a very fake looking Tahitian set and he's got two he's getting the four hands massage Jason knows what I'm talking about and uh but but wait wait one yeah, thing yeah. so when the reason why he's talking about the bonsai store being a possibility Oh, right. It's because Bianchi's out of a job. Yeah. So they're like, oh, what are you going to do for money? Like, well, how about selling like one of your 19 vintage cars? Yeah. He's all, he also has a palatial plot of land by some t- yes. train tracks. Like who's got, yeah. who's got four acres in LA. But yeah, when people like downsize in life, like the first thing they would do is sell their first 18 cars. Yes. Yeah. Also, he's got skills. Like he's a handyman. Like it's not like a super right. high barrier of entry to get another job. Just being like he could probably go to the apartments next door where they already know and him. And he didn't lose his job at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Like yeah. he could be a handyman. Right. <laughs> and like literally anywhere. Yeah. Just go to the next apartment complex in Reseda, and I'm sure they'll hook you up and they'll let you do a little bonsai while you're there. That looks. They lived in uh, what looked like the place where Butch killed Vincent Vega. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and to think it, 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 he could set his sights on on grooming another young man. Like if he went to the next apartment complex, he's That's already right. – He's, he's already, his new red boy. He's already been through Daniel. Like he, he can move on to the next guy for sure. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Crease is, is reporting back to um, Terry Silver – Terry Silver is 
Uh, he promised him 20 dojos. Alerts him that he alerts him that he's bought him 20 jo- dojos. It's going to be Cobra Kai all over the valley when he gets back. Increase, and, and he's like, and oh, by the way, we're going to fuck up Miyagi and, and that kid. Um, and But Crease has a very strange um, request. He says, I want you to make his knuckles bleed. Well, that's... <laughs> Your knuckles, your knuckles bleed when you're punching somebody. You don't like you don't uh, assault somebody in their knuckles. Like the the knuckles. Yeah. Did, did you find that strange, Steve Carbone? Well, a lot about this movie uh, was strange, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you, it didn't really make a hell of a lot of sense because the only thing I can think of is when he's telling Terry Silver that he's basically telling Terry Silver, "Hey, go fight Miyagi," but when you do. Make sure you're standing in front of the driver's side of a car and make sure he's the one attacking you first and then move out of the way. But like that's the only way you fight. that's the only way you get bloody knuckles, really, right? I mean, we saw it yeah. in number two. Like that and also the, of sense. What what is the business model? Because he said it was going to be twenty dojos like under Crease's name. So that if a new dojo opened up, they'd be like, oh, who's this guy? Like Tiger Shulman is a name, right? Yeah. So they'd be like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, that's the guy that tried to strangle one of his students nine months ago for not winning a trophy. <laughs> yeah. Or they'd, be <laughs> like, or they'd be like, what? That's the guy that got uh, top four out of five places at last year's All Valley, but he must suck at teaching karate. <laughs> and also, the the when Daniel is ready to give give up his tuition money, this has happened in two straight movies. Like he desperate, yeah. like the, the ongoing theme is Daniel wants to get rid of his college tuition to pay for Miyagi related stuff. Yeah. He used it to buy his flight to Okinawa unannounced. And then he used it again to buy Miyagi a bonsai store that we never really got the sense Miyagi was interested in owning. Zero interest in owning. Yeah. Like what, what, when he told him that, it's like, no, you're going to go to college. Of course. No, I don't want to go to college. I want to open a bonsai store for you. What? Yeah. yeah that what would be backwards like, thinking is that? Yeah, that would be the moment where you go, that's why you need to go to college. Because yeah. that's a crazy <laughs> statement. It's that's a not horrible something business. people do with their money. You, you don't you go to college and take a business entrepreneurship class because what you're proposing right now is <laughs> god crazy. We are going to fail. So you can't even succeed in the restaurant industry you want to open up a store in the valley selling fucking trees what <laughs> i think i think that that to me is uh is just one of the many inherent flaws with this script i mean and and i i would say this daniel puts up his money for they had a list of it first and last security deposit in like six yeah. months or whatever it was and <laughs> about 10 minutes into the lease Daniel is sweating Miyagi that they're not going to be able to make a profit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're the idiot who put up all the money, you dumbass. Yeah, well, at least, at least Daniel came up with a real catchy name. <laughs> what was it? I know what we should call it. Mr. Miyagi's Little Trees. <laughs> catchy. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's fucking... weird that they're best friends and he can't be on a first name basis with Mr. Miyagi. Right. Right. Yeah. The dude is ski polling on him every night and he can't call him, you know, whatever his real first name is. Uh, so, we, yeah, we, we kind of need to back up real quick uh, a second here, because when we go back to silver in unless you're going to talk about silver 
and when Mike Barnes shows up. Yeah, that's, for what, that's what I was just gonna, okay. about to talk okay. about. Go, go to that because I've got uh, a lot to say. Mike about Barnes, this. by the way, has four names. You got to call him. Karate's right? bad. Is... Karate's bad. Right, Karate's five, bad. Five, yeah. five names. So. Yeah, we so we so we see earlier um, Silver's checking out his karate mags as one does. And he's and he sees an ad, or I don't know if it's a feature. It's Does just, he have his help? Like just hand him a stack? Yeah, he's he's he said, "Give me my magazines." And it's just a full page of this guy's face, and he's doing like a karate pose, and it says, "Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes." It says, "Tournament terrier, karate's bad boy, right. Mike Barnes." Mike Barnes. Uh, and, so, terror, terror. And, and so, um, Terry, Terry. Silver imports Mike Barnes and he's brought in by his henchmen, Snake and Dennis. Snake loves his gold chains. <laughs> okay. Do we know? Okay. Right there. Yes. Do we all know who Snake is? Yeah, Snake, Snake. So that is kind of interesting. The, the actor, you mean? The actor. Right? Yeah, the actor. Snake. Yeah, go ahead and tell everybody. S- I just found this out. Snake is the least intimidating looking human being you've ever seen. He's short. He's pudgy. Like anybody could just flick him away and you're wondering how did this guy get cast in this movie as he's so obviously unintimidating and and what do we learn uh steve carbone snake is played by jonathan avlidson the son Uh, of director john g avlidson who screen tested snake screen tested for mike barnes he did such a fine (laughs) job that the role of snake silver terry's son was created especially for him so I, he's Terry's son. What, is that ever established in the movie? No, I didn't realize that. He's just that. one of the goons. Yeah, I didn't know straight this. Straight from the IMDb page. Yeah. Holy Another. shit. Snake's his kid. Unbelievable. Wow. That's, but imagine, imagine what this movie would have been if Snake, John Avildsen <laughs> Jr., had played Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes. I mean, that would have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, let's back it up a little bit. This is the same director that that did the original Rocky. Yeah. He did a a couple of the Rockies. He did the initial Karate Kid. Like, he's got some chops. He understands the genre. Um, And he casts his kid. I just, there's a disconnect here. The director has to know that these these characters and these lines are so over-the-top and unbelievable. Like, literally not believable. Snake plays a person that has never existed. I don't know how he could have possibly taken these these lines and these takes and been like, yeah, that's that's the one we're gonna ship to the, uh, that's the one that's we're gonna use. Like that character is so awful, and it's the it's the son of the director that that, that completely confounds well, me. I think our man Avildsen was cashing a check, Jason. I think he saw <laughs> the writing on the wall. He thought, holy shit, they're making another one of these pieces of shit. Yeah, I'll sign on. And it's kind of like the producer that's like, hey, you got to put my mistress in this fucking movie. That's all that, that's how we're going to do it. Uh, John Avildsen was like, hey, look, I'll, I'll sign on. I'll do it for my quote, but you got to put my fucking kid in the movie. I want him to play Mike Barnes. And then there's some negotiation where they're like, look, your son is a tub of shit. Nobody's going to buy him as Karate's bad boy, but he does look kind of sinister. So let's just have him be snake. What do you, what do you say? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. We also have, we have to have to give an RIP to John Avlitson yeah. who he passed away said, right? in June of last year, June of last yeah, year. He just died. recently died. Yeah. All right. Uh, sorry, sorry about that snake. If yeah. you, <laughs> If you ki- click on Snake's uh, like IMDb facts page, it says like son of John Avildsen, 
brother of Anthony Abbotson, and it says zero people found this interesting. <laughs> I guess you can weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, so yeah, Terry seems to bathe a lot. He's got Mike Barnes. He offers, and this is, I mean, I don't think anybody really did the math here. Because because he's in the bath, he's smoking a cigar, he's got all his minions around him, whatever. Mike Barnes comes in with Snake and Dennis uh, for to have a negotiation. And he's like, look, he's like, I, you're karate's bad boy. I offered you 25% of my new dojos if you beat this kid. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I thought about that. And he's like, I'm going to need 50%. And, and, and Terry Silver's like, well, uh, I don't know. I can only offer 35. And then they have a negotiation and he, and, and karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes goes to leave. He just walks out on the 35% offer. But then Terry Silver's like, oh, if you fight like you negotiate, I think we're going to be fine. And he's like, so you get your 50%. But this, he's just giving him a controlling interest in the company because he's partners with Crease. So, so now Crease and, and Silver are of, suddenly. I mean, he got rich somehow from dumping nuclear waste. Yeah. Like, how did he, how did he, he's such a terrible negotiator. Yeah, all of a sudden he's, he's a a quarter share owner of the business and he's working for karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes, bad he negotiating got tactic. By a bad boy in a jean jacket. <laughs> he really did. And then he was off to train with snake and Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> uh, what else? There's a whole bunch more what, bonsai after this. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I think one thing we have to point out here is the reason that silver is after karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes is because obviously he wants to win back the karate, the Cobra Kai name, but we have now been told, I don't know why this is a unilateral rule that was implemented in 1989, all Valley karate. Oh, this is great. Yes. Yeah. But Daniel, his whole point of bringing in Mike Barnes is so he can beat Daniel and Daniel being the defending champion only has to fight in the championship match. I don't know where this comes from. So like, you know, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Do they just get a a, a, a a buy to this next year's Super Bowl and just have to play in the, the final game? What type of tournament is this where you just get to skip to the end because you won the year before? It's kind that doesn't of, make it's any sense. Weird. It's kind of weird. Remember, remember in Car- the first Karate Kid when they show the tournament bracket on the wall and there's all these different updates? Yeah. Like in the final scene of this one, there's like five names. That's it. Yeah. Like nobody's yeah. competing. It's a much smaller tournament because Cobra Kai's gotten out of business. That was like 90% of the guys that were in the tournament the year before. There's no Johnny. There's no Bobby. There's no Dutch. No. Is, Dutch is probably doing Dutch a bid is, in Wasco by this definitely. point. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I think that like somehow, even though this was the third movie of two movies that made a lot of money, you would think that they would have a, a – an endless budget for this third one. Not only did they go cheap on the villains and a couple of no names, love interest and whatnot, they employed none of the original Cobra Kai. Like to me it was like, I don't know if it was a, a budget maneuver or what, but to me, that's a massive thing missing from this movie. If the movie is only a year after the fact, couldn't they have Johnny or one of these uh, schizos showing up? And like wreaking yeah. havoc on Crease or something. That's a great point. Not even Johnny, because I mean, not that he was working so much after back to school, but those other guys couldn't have cost more than like fifteen dollars, right? You know, like we'll buy you half of a lunch. Especially Tommy and Dutch. Like, how cool would it have been to see Dutch- in- instead of Snake and 
Dennis. There could be Tommy and Dutch. Like those guys are fucking bloodthirsty villains. Would love to see them again. I think I think for the sake of devil advocate here, oh, I'll I'll play the role of why that that didn't happen, and it's because of what Kreese did at the beginning of Karate Kid Two. They don't right. want to go work for him. They don't want to be part of Cobra Kai because he touched Johnny Lawrence and That's he true. basically tried to kill Johnny Lawrence with his bare hands. So that would be my thinking is that, look, we don't want to be part of this psycho. We don't want to go back to Cobra Kai. Now, if they were to come in as another faction and maybe third Daniels. Yeah. And just been a third, mm-hmm. uh, just been a, that would have made more sense, but then it would have got confusing because they basically wanted to make this movie Cobra Kai versus Daniel's karate and let's regain our name. So in that aspect, I see why they didn't let's give him a break. It makes sense, but you can, but back to, I think Jason's point about them shaving bucks off the budget. Like the second movie was not expecting to be bad. Um, but they, they had the, uh, Peter Cetera, like, you know, big hit, but that was like a big hit. This one, I don't even think there's any artists that, like they weren't trying to do anything here. They didn't try to get like a you know a popular artist at the time. Like there's no the, music. There's no other the, stars. Like no Wang Chung. The, the song for the credits. I looked it up. I shazammed the song for the credits. Wow. That's, and that's, it is a yeah. What it it is a complete departure. Let's see. I'm gonna look at my history of shazamming, which mm-hmm. I which I did last night. Check it out. Yeah. And it's. You would think that again, maybe they had a problem selling this movie because the Little River Band owns the song at the at the beginning of the credits called "Listen to Your Heart." Little River Band, what the fuck is that? Oh no, Little Little River Band was big in the seventies. They were like trying to get something. Yeah, they were not big in nineteen eighty. No, that's for sure. That's that's for sure. The only artist in this movie that was recognizable was when they went to the dance club later on in the movie where Daniel just fucking throttled the guy in the oh, nose. That was the best part. That that artist that was singing in the background when Daniel was doing that awful, horrible dancing um, was Glenn Medeiros. He had one hit back in the late 80s, and I'm blanking on the name of that hit, but I do remember the hit. He didn't sing it in the movie, but that artist, if you look at the credits, was Glenn Medeiros, I, and he had one hit in the 80s. Oh, I know this song. One, you know, okay, one we gotta, we gotta I like that you think Glenn Medeiros is a recognizable <laughs> artist. Well, he was he, Glenn Medeiros, but he, I do see, I have clicked on his name and I do see his IMD or his Wikipedia page and his hit was nothing's going to change my love for you. Yes. You ought to yes. know by now how much I love you. One yep. thing that's, you can be sure of. I'll never that's ask for more than your love. Nothing's gonna. That's it. That's, so that's it. That's him in the club. What about? Uh, oh, you know what else he had? No, she ain't worth it. Featuring Bobby Brown. Oh, I don't know that one. She ain't worth it. The girl ain't worth it. <laughs> you remember that one? Right? Oh no, I don't. That I was I did. Glenn Okay, Glenn Medeiros. Uh, I had no idea. So, so we do have one guy that had some sort of relevance, uh, some sort of importance in the late eighties in the pop culture music scene. He definitely sort was of. around. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. You know who story. didn't have any relevance? Uh, Daniel son. <laughs> no, no, he's wearing mom jeans. Like 
His, you, you can't lead a movie with, with mom. He genes. and his love interest both have their guest genes. They're like fighting to see who can get their genes pulled up the highest. And I, right. I know that whoever was, touches nipples first wins. Right. I know that was a style in the eighties, but for women, I don't, I, I don't remember dudes hiking their pants up to their nipples, but there you go with uh, Daniel son. Uh, so what, so what happens in this movie? There's a lot of bonsai between, we get introduced to Mike Barnes, we get introduced to Terry Silver, and the, there's a lot of bonsai in between. There's pottery, there's bonsai. Yeah, we get introduced to bonsai. Like, like it's so a major character in the movie. Yeah, they're, they're doing bonsai, but then it, it reverts to form the, the, the bad guys need, to, they can't do the tournament and just fuck everybody else up in the tournament. That's not going to get the Cobra Kai name back on the map. They have to beat the existing champion and the reigning champion. And Danielson's not down. At first, he's sort of into it, but Miyagi's like, "Nah, you ain't going to fight. What's wrong with you?" And but then they they basically have to attempt to murder Danielson a whole bunch of times. Um, to get him to agree to sign the application to be in the fight, right? Can we? Can we? Uh, that, and Steve yep. could could answer this question. The why exactly is Miyagi so dead set against training Daniel for this? What what because what is the exact wrong, reason? Wrong reason. Because 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 karate is not for trophies. Karate That's is right. for defense only. That's right. That's exactly. It's right. not. It's not for the glory. You don't do it for the glory. You don't do it for titles and all valley championships back to back years. You do it because you respect the craft. That's right. And he thought and that going back into a tournament was not the way. You know, Miyagi always trained you, but for tournament, cannot. So Miyagi trained him in in, in number one to to revenge all of the harassment, yeah. and then Daniel. Uh, almost got killed and then almost killed the Okinawan in number two out of uh, principles that are karate-esque. Right, right. But for some reason, Miyagi Cho- yeah, would not. Yeah, he fought Chosen to death and then opted yeah. not to kill him. Yeah, he could have killed him. <laughs> and, and, then there's, and then there's three. You skip to three, and Miyagi refuses to train Daniel, and Daniel keeps begging him to train him. Yeah. Dude, he already trained you karate. Why yeah. the fuck do you need more training? Really You've already been point. trained in two movies for Christ's right. sake. If you already want to fight till the death with Chosen, like you're you're pretty good in good shape. Yeah, Chosen was well, Chosen was trained by Sato. Like he's an Okinawan master. You fucked him up. You should be able to fuck up karate's bad boy Mike Barnes was, without any training. He was Japan's karate bad boy. Exactly. But it, I think the thing was that the two times that you know Daniel and and uh, Jessica were getting frisky late at night in the uh, bonsai store. And Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes, and Snake and Dennis came in and basically said, look, you're going to defend your title. I need your title. That's what he said. I need your title. Basically, so he could get Silver his money and crease his dojos. But when Daniel first went to Miyagi to tell him, I need you to train me, he even said, I can't beat this guy. Yeah. Like, he's kicking my ass left and right. He took my macaroni and cheese and threw it on yeah, the ground. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I need your training. He's going to beat me. I suck. Yeah. He, that's why he's like, after beating Chosen in a fight to the death, 
he knows that Mike Barnes is a hundred times better than him. Yeah, which he was. So Barnes and Dennis and Snake they come in to the to the macaroni and cheese date, and they're they're fucking up the the Mr. Miyagi's little trees bonsai shop pretty good. And this is this is a trope from the from the Okinawa days where maybe they shouldn't make like all the walls out of paper and shit because it's just <laughs> people want to fuck you up. They'll just come and rip the shit down. Like maybe build some stuff out of wood or bricks or something. Uh, they come in there and Daniel kind of like he punches, he punches or kicks Dennis in the gut pretty good. But then Mike Barnes comes over and he just absolutely <laughs> fucks Daniel up. I mean, he really and- just kicks his ass. And Jessica, right? He kicks his yeah. chick right in the gut, which is assault. And it's weird because they don't do anything about that. They're like, oh, yeah, that was that was fucked up. I can't believe they want me to sign that paper. Then they go back to the house. They go back to their shared domicile at Miyagi's and they've stolen all of their uh, their bonsai trees and left a note. And Daniel's like, oh, I'm calling the cops. It, wait, wait, they just tried to kill you a little while ago. They they assaulted and a assaulted woman. assaulted a woman. Yeah, and you ne- didn't think to call the police, but they jacked a couple of your tiny pine trees, and you're real pissed off and calling the police now. That, I thought and, that was kind of strange. And they boned out and did donuts in the car on the way, and almost got, and almost got, oh, hit, almost by got hit by a train. Yes. <laughs> and the well, other thing about – I think what also makes Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes the baddest man on the planet is while he's fighting Daniel during that – He's talking shit to him the whole time. Like, nice punch, nice kick, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. You suck. He's like the like, Larry nothing Bird. Nothing you yeah. can do. <laughs> Your offense is garbage yeah. to me. Like, I'm Karate's bad boy. You won a tournament on a stupid little move that nobody's ever done since. And you tried in the second movie. You should have referenced the fact that, dude, you've tried this in Okinawa, and it, yeah. and it we the heard guys about your there crane had, attempt against Chosen. It's a trash move. Yeah, yeah. It's it's trash move. It, it got back to the states that your your crane attempt against Chosen was a was a joke. That's pr- that's probably what put the what put the Cobra Kai out of business is that everyone in the karate world saw that weak ass crane kick and they're like, oh my, yeah, Johnny walked right into yeah, that. Dude, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Foreshadowing. And remember, like, yes, she said she had a, a long distance boyfriend. But back in Columbus, she went on it. She went on it. I mean, the guy's in fucking Columbus. She went on a date while her boyfriend's in Columbus. Like something could have been at play. And he opens the date up by going, well, let's go Dutch. We can go Dutch. What a hoser. (laughs) Total. Yeah. Yeah. He in his mom jeans and his red jacket that looked like a looked like it was nine ninety nine from Target. It looked plastic. Like something you get at a Dodger game. Like, it was just awful. Blake Lyon is her, wearing. After we go, go Dutch, I put a note that like, yeah. And then he introduces him. He goes, oh, I got to introduce you to my, my best friend. But he never like indicates who it is. Yeah. It's some an old, old dude yeah. who may or may not be fucking me. Yeah. <laughs> and Jessica's really impressed. Like, oh my God, he was so nice. Like, wow. He's really, he seems really smart. And Miyagi said like one sentence to her. Yeah. She, tries to feign some sort of interest in Daniel's friend when the back of her mind, she's thinking, Holy fuck. I just asked a guy on a date when I have a better guy back home in Ohio and he's got a male Asian man in his early seventies as his best friend. When he mentioned like, she never had the conversation. Like when you were talking about this best friend, why didn't you tell me he's like your grandfather? Asian grandfather. No, she, she sees the writing on the wall because she's familiar with the, zip code rule where she's like, Hey, look, 
I got a boyfriend back home and I'm leaving in a few days. So just, you know, that's what's up. And she's like kind of telling Daniel, hey, let's make this a fling situation. Yeah, she 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 opens the door for him to just have a casual sex. And and that's the thing that he never picks up on. He's like, oh, cool. Well, then it can't be anything. So let's do Dutch and let me ruin my chances yeah, of getting anything totally. close to female. And then I have to – and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Was it this date that she showed up in uh, mom jeans, a tucked-in pink sweater, and uh, leg warmers? Yeah, I, I thought this so. was I the turtleneck so. with flowers all over it. <laughs> Might have been. Okay, so, the, so the next day it was a tucked-in pink sweater. She, has, she has the leg warmers, I believe, when they go rappelling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when they re- I, th- I think at this, point, uh, at this point, I think we should insert the fact that another IMDb note from this movie, which pertains to this particular topic we're talking about, Ralph Macchio's character was supposed to, to have a romantic relationship with the character of Jessica, but he asked to have their relationship be platonic because he didn't want his wife to be jealous. Oh, Holy pussy. God. What a fucking pussy. Isn't that the whole reason you get into like, acting? What? what? Like, when is he getting this much creative control over storylines? No, I don't want to touch her because my wife might get mad. Oh, Are you serious, Daniel? Fucking God. And no wonder oh. he hasn't worked since. Yeah. Right. Uh, Oh, man. And don't they establish at some point she's going to make the the clay pots for their business? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they got bonsai and clay pots like as if they're operating a business in the 1830s in Peking, China. No wonder they're (laughs) over by the. What is this business model? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so one one thing we've forgotten to discuss is Terry Silver Um, he has a weird, this is a weird plot line. He has a double agent routine worked out where what he's going to do, and it's sort of unclear. He has his, uh, he has his minions pull up like a shitty old civic and some other piece of shit. And then a truck with the top cut off. And he's like, ah, this is perfect because he wants to look poor. And then he shows up to Miyagi's and he's like, hey, I'm Kreese's buddy from Nam, And I just want to say that I trained with him and our master back in South Korea is so embarrassed about the way he does karate. That's not karate. And his whole thing is to sort of insinuate himself with Daniel and become Daniel's trainer. Basically, Instagram stalk Daniel and know where he is at all times so he could be right there for him. But then what hopes that he could train him. is his game. Yeah, so he'd is be his... like, wow, that guy is really humble. The guy with the slick back ponytail is like super humble. Is he, but <laughs> is his game to like train Daniel badly so he loses to Mike Barnes? He's obvi- obviously a, a much inferior martial artist to Mike Barnes already. Like, I don't know that him training him made him worse. He actually made him a better karate man by making him punch two by fours a lot, right? Um, I think my sense was that the whole reason for the turn and to get him to train Daniel was to make him believe that he was better than he was because he knew Mike Barnes was better than him anyway. And he wanted to build Daniel up to thinking, Oh my God, I'm invincible. Like I'm just, I can, I can punch boards. My, I can get, bruises on my foot from kicking boards. I can punch guys and break their nose. 
when in reality he wasn't really teaching him anything. I don't think it, their, I, their training sessions that, were weird. Yes, Jason. Him, him, um, him. You know, volunteering to train him is one thing, but could we could we kind of delve into exactly what this villain's motive was by telling them that Kreese was dead? What was the that what was, was the reason behind that whole deception? Why do that? <laughs> Yeah, I know you're going to be broken up by the guy that was your tormentor is dead. Yeah, was, I, I didn't get that part. They if you to, convinced they that Miyagi was dead, it would fuck him up. Yeah. But like, Chris, like, uh, you mean the biggest shithead in the, the <laughs> yeah. neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the like, sorry he's dead, but we're kind of happy. Easy come, know? easy go. Yeah, yeah. The, t- yeah, Terry Silver, he pulls a weird double agent shit. He's got a crease is dead room. Doesn't he do like a cat burglar thing where he like sneaks around that's in Miyagi's the, house? That's the next thing. He, he, oh. does, he yeah. does a recon mission. To He breaks into, and not hard to break in because, again, Miyagi builds his domiciles out of paper and balsa wood. So he Yeah, we're supposed to believe this guy is like a billionaire though. Because he's thrown around like tens of millions even in the eighty eighties just to get crease even with with Danielson. <laughs> so like he's a billionaire and he's like sneaking around like a cat burglar. In the paper walls of Miyagi Damasai. It's very weird. And all, the whole point of it is to get recon, to get some information about Miyagi. And he finds out like he was in World War II. Like, I don't, I don't know like how much that could have benefited him, but uh, apparently it did. Um, I would like to get, and, yes. Well, and then he sends, and then he sends Barnes into the backyard while, while Daniel is kicking one of those things that boxers punch right just a punching he- bag heavy bag yep yeah heavy bag here comes mike barnes into the backyard and just one of the greatest fool jobs ever done in cinematic history he comes in basically starts kicking daniel's ass for like a fourth time in this movie yep and here comes terry silver just happens to be coming in the backyard to drop off that book <laughs> that he told daniel he'd drop off about, about leg sweeps, sweeps. Yeah. <laughs> And then he kick fake, you know, fake kick Mike Barnes's ass, tells him to get out of there. And that's his like in with Daniel. Now, Daniel sees like, wow, this guy will protect me. Miyagi's being a little bitch, won't train me. I need to train. This guy's got a book and he can kick Mike Barnes's ass. Like I'm in. I'm sold. Yes. He hangs with Crease. Absolutely. He was a nam. <laughs> he was a nom. Like, wow. Like. Fuck Miyagi. Like, what did this guy ever teach me to do? Terry Silver is the true star of the movie. The guy's amazing. Uh, the- now, I, 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 I have a note. I have a note around here, and I, I, I didn't write down the context, but Robin Lively is wearing a giant sweater with a hashtag on it. Like, <laughs> oh, is that true? Which means, but there was no hashtag, so that was just the pound symbol. <laughs> so she had a sweater that had a pound symbol and a fish. So she was like, like absolutely insane. Well, no, she was on, she was trying to send a signal to Daniel. She's like, look, I got to get back to Columbus in a couple of days. I need you to get to pounding it. Like it's, it's like a Ah. subliminal message. Like, Hey, I'm letting you know, this is what's up. Like get in here. Um, so then back to, back to, back to the plot line that that you just started. The double agent. I don't think we can uh, remind our listeners enough that this guy fought in Okinawa 
to the death. He fought a he fought a world class karate guy Chosen. to the death Trained by Sato. But he needs a book to talk about sweeps. He needs he needs a book to read at night to for those for these all important front sweeps that are sweeping across uh, Southern California karate. He fought yeah. to the fucking death. And and the first like the first time he meets Miyagi and the first Karate Kid, isn't he doing kicks from a book and he's like, Oh, that's bullshit. Like Miyagi yeah. talks him into it. Like that's the whole premise. Like you yeah. can't learn from a book. That's right. I forgot about that. He's doing kicks. It all, in his it all came room. full circle. How yeah. about that? You can't learn from a book. Uh okay, we have to talk about the repelling. So mm-hmm. Early on, on the, the attempted murder. Yeah, when they're when they're starting their bonsai <laughs> business, um, Miyagi tells Daniel about some bonsai he planted way back in the day on some sheer cliff face that's basically impossible to reach. So Daniel gets the bright idea that now that uh, Mike Barnes has stolen or or karate chopped all their inventory, they need to go get this one tree because it could it could be apparently worth $10,000 to which Daniel says Miyagi could be set for life. (laughs) I know. I don't know the 1989 inflation. I I know $10,000 went much further back then than it does today. I don't know. And I know Miyagi was pretty old. Actually, he was only like 53, but he looked old as fuck. Uh, I don't know that $10,000 would set you up for life. But that said, he had planted it on the face of a cliff that was ba- that was unreachable. It seems to me that he probably just wanted it left there. He didn't he didn't really want it back. He didn't put it in a place that was accessible. So Daniel and Blake Lively's sister get the idea that we'll just go rappel down there like fucking Navy SEALs cuz we have that That's training. Like- yeah, those are like crummy Father's Day gifts I get for my kids. And I'm like, oh, let me just put this over here where like nobody can access it again because I don't want it. Yes. They <laughs> they repel. They decide, hey, we're and apparently Blake Lively's sister has some sort of experience with repelling. She knows how to repel and she's like, oh, it's easy. You just do it like this. And it's like a thousand foot cliff that they're just cruising down. Did anybody find that strange, Steve Carbone? Of course it was strange because first off, we'd never seen Daniel do anything outside of karate that was remotely athletic. Like he rode in the first BMX movie bike he, and he played soccer. Yeah, first, yeah, and he and not to mention, you know, trying to run from the Cobra Kai's at the Halloween party <laughs> yes. where yeah, he, he can't was climb running. fences. He can't climb fences. Yeah. He he got he he had a he had a seventy five yard head start yet couldn't get over the fence yeah. before five guys just jumped him. So. The fact that he's rappelling down a cliff when we've never seen this guy have any sort of athletic skill in extreme sports was just fascinating to me to watch. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're just going to accept that this guy can do this. Uh, Um, He's from New Jersey. There are no cliffs to go rappelling in in New Jersey, really. I don't think they, they didn't uh, have the right. Yeah. They didn't have the right gear. They didn't have crampons. They didn't have helmets. How about that? It looked like as realistic as the the uh, Burt Ward yes. Batman yes. climbing, yeah. walking like, up the side terrible. of the building. Yes. Yeah. Was- How about this? How about this? For those of us who live in in LA, Southern California, right, and those who used to, Steve. Yeah. Where the hell is 
Where is this? It, they, what cliffs? It, is there some no. some uh, massive Paragon? cliff in the Palisades no. that I'm not uh, familiar with? Where exactly is this? It, Did they ever it, explain it that? It looked like Big Sur. Well, I'm, I'm going to start with this. Um, that, yeah, they, they pull the lines up from the bottom of the dissension. This is my question. What was Daniel and his chick going to do right. if they didn't have three karate-trained men to pull them up? What was the plan? Yeah, I don't know what how exactly they would have gotten the up. Plan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't. How would they have gotten up? They those things unless they had tied them to trees and the goons untied them. I mean, we never they never really specified. The thing I found weird about that whole situation is when Daniel and Blake Lively's sister are at the bottom of the cove and the goons are at the top. They were talking like they were 15 feet apart from each other. They're having this conversation about, hey, the tide's going to come in in 12 minutes. It's like there's no way you'd be able to have that type. You wouldn't understand a word either side was saying to each other with a fucking tide coming in, waves crashing, yelling. It's a 500-foot cliff. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the way they made it look, yeah. It was like, huh? There's no way they could understand anything that was said. And he was being very specific, like, hey – sign the form and then daniel's yelling at him like barnes is probably up there like what the hell is he saying just sign the form and bring it up like it was just it was really really it was weird honestly i would like to nominate it for the worst sequence in hollywood movie making history i mean it was just so unbelievable it was so ridiculous there was there was no block and tackle to pull him up like i know dennis and snake are strong motherfuckers but you couldn't just just pull somebody's dead weight up a thousand foot cliff. It just doesn't make any sense. That said, and it's, yeah. so I, I would, I'd really want to know in the writer's room when they're, when they're crafting this film, they have to, because for the first half of the movie, Daniel's like, I'm not signing, even though he's getting his ass kicked and getting macaroni and cheese thrown on him. He doesn't want to sign because he knows Miyagi won't train him. He's like, I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting all these things. And they're like, how are we going to get Daniel to finally give in? Oh, I know. Let's put him in a cove down at the bottom. Attempted murder. It just they would they they would have to be writers came up with that one. The the villains would have to be in on the fact that the that Daniel and his girlfriend were going to descend down a cliff. First of all, how would they know? And and they were supposed to be in on the fact that they were going to have to descend all the way to the bottom. Yeah. And be basically left for dead. They would have had to anticipate all of this. And how about this? This application is so important to the movie. Uh, Daniel refuses to sign it. Miyagi refuses to sign it. Daniel finally signs it under duress, but it's like on a rock as he's hanging from a cliff. Like how, how legible could that signature be? <laughs> isn't, isn't just and a commitment. No notary. There's right, no right, right. Cliff. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> is it just the commitment? Just don't show the up. Commitment to go to show up. Isn't that the important thing? Yeah. Like, couldn't he just sign it and not show up? Like, why is this so fucking binding? <laughs> the signature on that stupid application. How many of us have said we're gonna go do some shit just to get the fucking yeah. person off our back, and then just just don't go? Just fucking. Reminds yeah. me of a time I one time got in a fight with a woman in a park. It involves our kids when, like, my kid was, like, two. And she's like, I'm going to get my husband. I was like, well, go ahead. I'm waiting here. And then, and then like, as soon as she left, I was like, all right, we're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not fighting some grown man. No. Like, I'm out of here. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah, uh, they never really specify how, why that 
he couldn't have just been like, no, I signed it, but yeah, I changed my mind. So they, they escaped. Hey, with- guys, I have an update, a real-life update as of 2017 on our boy Dennis, the third henchman. Dead. Nope. Running a dojo in Torrance, California Shut with his wife. Holy shit. Up. That is amazing. Uh, so they, they escaped death. Their Blake Lively's sister is threatened with gang rape by Snake. And right. And the, their, their biggest concern is, of course, the bonsai tree. It's got a bro- <laughs> it's got a broken branch. They race it back to Mr. Miyagi's little trees, and then they're doing like a full on fucking mash operation where Miyagi's like peat moss stat, and they're like they're like taping shit, and they're like water, I need water, and they're like running water across the shop, and it's like a whole thing. It's like what I mean, it just plant the fucking thing. If it's gonna live, it's gonna live. Is this is this when he drops the line? Mr. Miyagi, this is the 80s. We have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is, that is a fact. What? He says that line. Like ignore AIDS for six years? <laughs> what? Uh, so, like pretend Bill Cosby isn't drugging women? This, <laughs> this, so it's like yes. this, 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 this shop has been tormented by the goons. Their one saving grace. Miyagi sold the truck uh, to, to keep paying rent on this place right. and their one saving grace is now split in half because karate's bad boy mike barnes said make a wish and then <laughs> right. split it in half. Yeah. and now and now it's like yeah you're you're running to the a night this isn't a child that is having trouble breathing and is turning purple it's a fucking tree whose root split yeah it's a tiny little act- pine tree that should have been left yeah. where it was yeah uh, but this that's apparently all the impetus that Daniel needs to go start training with Terry Silver, where Terry Silver makes him kick two by fours. And it's again, it's like with just one session, that first session, he he basically was tormented by Terry Silver. Just just don't go back. Like he's he's yelling at you and you almost break your foot kicking a board. Just that's it. You don't have to return. And yet he goes back. Um what else? The three the three rules. Quicksilver. Man can't see. He can't I mean, again can't walk, he can't right. fight. Man can't breathe, he can't fight. Man can't see, he can't fight. Took three lessons though. Took three lessons. The three the, yeah, Quicksilver. You like that, Daniel? Yeah, I like that. That's and Daniel really starts working out with her too. He he goes jogging with Robin Lively. Yeah, he's in tra- oh, yeah. he's in training. Um and then they so then they, they we have the dance scene where Steve Carbone recognizes that Glenn Medeiros is on stage, which is just <laughs> crazy to me. Just one of the all-time pulls I've ever seen. Um, and yeah. that it's and of course Terry Silver is there. It's like a kids' dance club, and D- Terry Silver he, is a fucking adult hanging out there. <laughs> lurking. Well, as Steve pointed out, he's younger than Daniel. He's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, again, Terry Silver with the deception in this movie, he's there to pay off some dude to try and get in Blake Lively's sister's pants to piss Daniel off so he'll punch him in the face and break his nose. Like, Terry Silver is like a mastermind of deception that, unlike we had anything anything we had ever seen in 1989, this guy's just fooling people left and right, and nobody has no any idea what he's doing. But so he gets him to do that. Again, his aim is to have Daniel lose in the all valley karate tournament and he's turning him in to a, 
a bit of a sadistic killer because some guy comes up and tries to dance with his girlfriend and Daniel fucking in one second flattens the guy's nose like no big deal. Yeah. It seems to me like that's not what you want to teach the guy that you're intending to have take a fall in the final match, right? You would yeah. think, but a part of me still thinks that he's making Daniel think he's better than he is and building him up and saying, because remember when Daniel finally got the balls to fucking punch everything and kick everything and broke everything in the, in the dojo. Yes, yeah. And, and Terry's like, you did it. You're ready. You're ready to go. And Daniel's all fired up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good now. Like I'm, I'm ready to handle Mike Barnes. Right. And that's the night they go to the club and he like takes it out on him. And then they run out of there and, and he's like, Daniel, you did it. Look at that. Something, somebody comes at you and bam, you don't think twice. And Daniel's like, Whoa, what the fuck? Like I lost my balance. Yeah, and, you know, he and, gave, he gave him the confidence he needed. So then there's there's a. Moment. And I like that there there are a couple establishing shots of like a heartbroken Miyagi. Like he knows Daniel has fallen in with yeah. the bad crowd. Yeah, the foreshadowing <laughs> that he, like he's all dead. He he's all sad. Like dear diary, <laughs> Daniel, yeah. my rent boy is broken. <laughs> he no longer sucking my dick in back room of shop. <laughs> no more ski pola. No more prostate massage. No more nothing. <laughs> My Danielson no longer pillow biter. <laughs> uh, so there's more training mas- uh, montages, and then we get back to uh, uh, oh, Crease shows back up, and he's oh, and- that's the night of the fight. Yeah, I mean yeah. the night, the night that Daniel punches the, club, the right? dude. Yeah. And they leave the nightclub. Daniel goes back home to Miyagi and says, I've just I've been training with Mr. Silver. He meant he meant well, but I'm on the wrong path. I'm gonna go tell him I'm done talking. To, I, right. I'm done taking his lessons. I'm gonna go back there. And he's like, Do you need any help? No, no, no. I- I'll take care of it myself. So he walks into the dojo. Again, could have just called. Could have just, <laughs> <Could've> just <laughs> you know, t- toll free call back then. Just call it a silver. Sorry about that. But no, he's gotta go over there. Yeah, goes over there. He walks in, says, I, I, I'm i not going to fight in the tournament. He's like, no, you are fighting in the tournament. He's like, well, you can't make me do anything I don't want to do. And then he just laughs at him. He's like, the whole time you've been here, I've been making you do things That's you didn't right. want to do. What are you talking about? I'm what he's talking about, shithead, and out walks Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. Just and they had, him set, they had him dead to rights. Amazing like, turn. Yeah. Right. Oh, they es- it was they awesome. established this movie that the guy you're supposed to be pulling for in the movie is essentially Pete Puma from the Bugs Bunny, like where he tricks him into asking for four lumps. Who's that? Three or four? Like that's Daniel son. Yeah, like totally. He, he is he is a moron in this movie. He's so <laughs> stupid. He believed that Crease was dead and that broke his heart. Like every, he's the dumbest person on earth. I don't movie. I don't think that that could be that point could be made enough. And that um, as annoying. And unlikable as Daniel was in the first one, and then you rooted for him to die in the second one. He's he's even worse in this. Like, I he has he's like one of those guys that doesn't pick up on uh, nonverbals. He he, he annoys yeah. people to to an, a grating of fashion. He's a hero in a movie that you openly root against. And by the way. If the first movie was Crane and the second movie was just move to the side, pivot, what's the what's Mom the jeans. key thing? And is it that what is Mom it called? Jeans. Mom jeans. What is, what is that? No, it's it, 
his isn't it wasn't it called um what do you call kata. Uh, kata 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 what is kata i think that's like white belt level karate like i i think that's like just like beginner level shit that he's doing and that's and that's why terry silver poo-poos it the whole time yeah he makes fun of it like what do you, why are you pro- what's the last thing miyagi taught you oh, 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 kata. oh you're oh, talking bullshit. about the tai chi thing right yeah right yeah his right. moves he's like yeah it's, it's great working up a sweat Dancing. it's not gonna win you any tournaments so, so you need to win tournaments by punching things they got they got daniel dead dead to rights um mike barnes starts fucking him up which is weird because you need him healthy for the tournament so you might just go hey we we fucking got you, buddy. Anyway, head on out of here. We'll see you at the tournament. But Mike Barnes starts fucking him up. And then uh, then Miyagi show, shows up, and he fucking starts... He beats Kreese's ass in, like, one second. And then he's, like, kind of getting the best of Silver in, until he knocks him against a wall and some paint spills on Silver... And for some reason, Silver, while not injured, that's the end of the fight. He's like, oh, my God, you've, like, messed up my paint. knee. Like, paint's touched me. I can't fight anymore. It's, it, it's weird that it ends at that point. I mean, he breaks a mirror, but again, he's not injured. And to, to what audience is it believable that what Pat Morita is doing is, would be effective against those two much larger human beings? <laughs> What what is the, I mean all this establishes is that Pat Morita is selfish. Miyagi's selfish because he doesn't take one punch in any fight. That's true. And he's like, it's not like you're saying, well, you don't want the old man. Like he doesn't even get hit, and he fucks up everybody in sight. And yet he's like, Daniel San, it's time to learn your own lesson. Like. Yeah. He's 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 not even taking hits. It's it is crazy. Yeah, he's he's like magic basically. He's like an X Man. Like he's he's Yoda. Yeah, he he can't he can't be defeated under any circumstance. Uh, so but, so they yes. basically they got so now we've established okay. Daniel's back with Miyagi. Miyagi's gonna train him. Yeah, will you train me now? Yes. Now Miyagi train you. And then we get the quick montages of the training for each one. It was kind of like. Rocky 2, where Apollo is working his ass off and Rocky is before when Adrian was in the hospital. And all oh, the yeah. shots of Rocky training are him just sitting bedside and praying. Yeah. So in this training montage, fucking Bar- my- Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes is kicking Dennis's ass all over the floor. Yeah. He's breaking <laughs> bricks. Yeah. He's breaking wooden planks. And they go to me, and they go to Miyagi and Daniel training, and they're on the beach in Santa Monica doing kata. What? <laughs> to me, to yes. me, they never spar. <laughs> yeah, nothing. He's <laughs> not me, training. Jason. To me, this movie keeps going back to my my initial complaint. They were under some budget. Okay, they rented a helicopter for one day to do a bunch of picturesque shots. That included the cliffs where they had to get the tree. It included like this, the forest where they were walking and they had to do a massive panoramic shot. And then they had like 19 shots on the beach from the helicopter view. That whole training montage thing was a way to maximize the amount of money they spent on the panoramic helicopter shots. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, why not just use the montage from Karate Kid One? It's basically the same. You wouldn't because it looks yeah, it looks the same. But even in one, he was on the boat, balancing, throwing punches, defending. 
this one, he's just on the cliff, and him and Miyagi are doing kata, and Mike Barnes is basically running through all of the valley with fucking his karate yeah, skills. He wasn't even sanding fences. He wasn't painting Nothing. floors. He wasn't painting and also, fence. If you look at like Terry Silver's grand plan, like he spent like one point five million dollars on this <laughs> yeah. whole thing. Yep. And then it's like, all right, let's not reveal it the night before the tournament and fuck him up. Like let's leave him like three and a half weeks so he can properly get back into regular training <laughs> yeah, and mental true. shape. Like, so he can learn what? Kata. <laughs> yeah. Uh so eventually we get to the climax of the movie. Of course, I'm talking about the All Valley Karate Tournament. And a year later. The true star of the movie, the one person that w- that was in Karate Kid 1 and now is back in 3. Of course, I'm talking about Pat E. Johnson and his mustache as Bill the as referee. referee. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's an actual karate dude, by the way. My favorite t-shirt, my referee t-shirt. Yes, referee. Um, so they, so, uh, Mike Barnes fucks everybody up in the tournament, just as you'd imagine. And then it's weird because Terry Silver is allowed to give a speech and he does like a monologue speech to the thousands potentially of people in attendance at a local San Fernando Valley karate tournament, which is strange. And it's been established there's only five competitors. So, like, who are all (laughs) these people showing up? Yeah. Just just karate fans in general. All all people that have subscription to the karate magazine that Terry Silver has a subscription to. It's like all these people are just karate junkies. Like, people that show up at collectible shows. They just go to go. I want to watch karate. And, oh, Terry Silver is going to speak to me too, and he's got a lot of insight in business and, and karate. Yes. And an ascot wearing Terry Silver too. Yes, yeah, he's ascot. rich. He's letting you know he's yeah. rich. Um, and the fight begins. And but his strategy, remember, he tells him, "What's that? You, I needed to be tied and go into like sudden death again." Yeah, yes, this is, awesome. very, this is a questionable very strategy. Weird strategy. Where he's this, like, this is awesome. He's like torment him. He's like fuck. He's like. Fuck him up and then get a penalty so it's zero zero. Nobody has any points so it can go into sudden death, which is what he's doing. It also, Mike Barnes, it's not real deferential to the referee where the referee's like, okay, you guys got to bow. And Mike Barnes is like, oh, fuck no, I ain't, I ain't bowing. Like, it's weird that they would just allow him to continue the fight where he's, he should be like, hey, fucking bow, guy. Yeah, it's, it's win a point, lose a point for three minutes. Kick his ass for three minutes. We go to overtime. We go to sudden death. We get the point and we win. And that's obviously not what happened. But it just goes to show in those three minutes when Daniel got his ass handed to him yet again, that (laughs) really, it's like, uh, I'm trying to make a sports analogy here, but I'm not going to be able to come up with one. But essentially, he got his ass kicked for three minutes and he won on a silly move. And yet, again, Cobra Kai's out of business forever. (laughs) Leonard Hagler, he just stole the last 10 seconds of every round. Like, he's not actually good at at what he does. He just has found an ability to steal things. There is actually an Olympic analogy. The Russian bear, I believe his name was Yuri Karelin. 
Oh, he was a guy who never, he was yeah, never, never lost. Never for like- lost. He was. He had won every fucking Olympics. He'd never lost a match. He'd never had a point scored on him in any match. And he's wrestling. I think it might have been Atlanta, or Montana, S- or Seoul. Yes, he's wrestling Rulon Jones, and he's like kind of like not. You know, they're, it's kind of like a boring match, and it, no one scores any points for the whole match. And then they're gonna like, okay, sudden death, and all of a sudden that Rulon Jones like gets like slips out of something and gets one point and it's fucking over and that and Yuri yeah. Cohn, the greatest career ever in the history of the Olympics ends with a fucking loss a one point loss and that's what happens to Mike Barnes Mike Barnes is beating the living fuck out of Daniel and let's be honest it's kind of nice he's really he's like throwing him down and fucking elbowing him in the chest and just really hammering him left and right but it goes to sudden death and what happens in sudden death? Well, first of all, Miyagi gives yeah, what does happen? Some, Miyagi gives some useless advice where he's like, "Karate not on mat, karate inside of you," like I was last night. Right, it's a bullshit advice. Like, it what, was what? it was basically you're losing to this guy because you're scared of him. It's okay to lose to opponent. You must not lose to fear. That's right. Don't even lose though, to yourself. Even though he was basically pissing himself on that mat knowing that mike barnes was all up in his business for three straight minutes he's like i can't it's win good advice. the reason why i'm afraid again, yeah again he's sitting there on the mat in the middle of the match saying i can't beat this guy i'm not any good yeah. he's way better than me and then that's when Miyagi yells at him and tells him to pull his head out of his ass yeah just and just quit um so then he goes back to they're like, okay, f- get on your marks. And he's like, fight. And Daniel starts doing his kata, which is just like, basically, like Ed was saying, Tai Chi. It's just like, kind of like a dance where he's just like moving his hands around. And and Mike like, Barnes was like, karate, I'm sorry, karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. Was like, hey, what the fuck is he doing? I, yes. I, I don't know what to do. Yes. No just, clue what to do. He's karate's fucking bad boy. He has no idea what to do. Yes. You can become his bad boy by waiting to punch somebody in the face. All you gotta do all you gotta do is kick him in the leg or punch him in the stomach and it would be over. But just he's standing there watching him do his dances and he's looking back for guidance from from Silver and Crease and they and they're like, I don't know I don't, I don't know what is this? What's what are you Just get to do? the fucking point. Get yes. the point. Yes. And they're telling him to get the point. Yeah. He's like, All right, well, I'll just try and run at him. <laughs> And then he's like, I'm going to run at him with my fist out. <laughs> so he runs at him, and Daniel does like some judo move where he throws him over his shoulder and drops an elbow to the ribs, and it's fucking over. It's it's Rulon Gardner all over again. It's crazy. Yeah. But, I, I think I need, I need But that Russian got the last laugh because Rulon Gardner was like caught in an avalanche and had a, had his leg amputated. Yeah, he's I got think, no leg anymore. Wrong. Yes, yeah, he's he's a, a, no, he's it's, a, it wasn't his leg. It was just like a few toes, I think. <laughs> oh, uh, one one thing we got to point out when when before Miyagi came or right when Miyagi came out um, or right after Miyagi came out to talk to Daniel and they were about to head to sudden death. Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes is like face to face with Daniel on the mat, just screaming at him, saying, "Get up there! Your karate sucks. You're a joke." One last trip to the IMDb page. Mike Barnes's final dialogue where he triumphantly jeers Daniel into getting up for the sudden death portion of their grand championship match was not in the screenplay. Oh, rather ad lib. Shut up. He ad libbed 
get your ass up on the mat, you pussy, or whatever he said. Star. What a star. That, shows, that shows how great he is because he gave the line that everyone watching the movie wanted to give. Which was? You're yeah, get your ass on. <laughs> You're a fucking pussy, Daniel. <laughs> and he, I think he said, I think he said, I think he called, I think he called Miyagi a slope in that. He did. When, there was a second yeah. slope. It was a second slope. Yeah, okay. He took him a slope in that. So he basically gets off a racial bomb ad libbed. So now we know that Karate's In their defense, they never use the term zipper head. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or, or worse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the fact that that was ad libbed makes me love Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes, even more. Amazing. Like that is, that's. Awesome. Jason Stewart, your thoughts. I don't think I don't think oh it could God. be stated enough. I don't think that this <laughs> this part of the plot could be stated enough. Yeah. Um, this little uh, kata thing uh, completely confuses the biggest badass in, in, in youth hockey. I mean, in karate, and it confuses his two world class trainers <laughs> so much that it flusters him. Where Daniel could do a rudimentary move. And the only offensive point of the entire match, the entire match for Daniel, because all the points that he's gotten to that point have been uh, negative points from the bad boy. The bad boy did penalty points. The only thing that worked was this kata thing. It's It's basically the equivalent, for those who haven't seen the movie, of you're in the middle of a fight. And you say, "Look, your shoes are untied." Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's what that's what the entire trilogy of plot comes down to is a stupid ass kata. I just can't get over that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Hey, S- Steve, I was looking at the credits, and yeah. it says, "Playing the role of himself, Glenn Medeiros." That's right. There you go. That's right. <laughs> just, just. I mean, where's Glenn Medeiros been since? this movie he's probably anywhere he's probably cashing residual checks from nothing's gonna change my love for you <laughs> you ought to know by now how much i love you one thing you can be sure of i'll never ask for more than your love uh, he only appeared higher on the call list than the two homeless sparring partners in the beginning Spectator one and two, and Tahitian girl one and two. That was it. Uh, Mrs. Milo, played by Frances Bay. Uh, I don't know who she is. I thought. Uh, uh, oh, the Tahitian, the the Jack Shack. Like when oh, when he yeah, sends yeah. them off. Daniel is a back to back All Valley champion with basically getting his ass kicked two for points. five of the six minutes that he was in the championship <laughs> yes. match. Yeah, two and, career points. And yeah. the guy, the guy, totally sucked at karate. Like he couldn't even pretend to be good. Weak kicks. The best karate he ever did was against a board. <laughs> and and I'll ask this question that I asked in the second one. Now that we've seen all three, who wins a match between Johnny Lawrence, Chosen, and Karate's Bad Boy Mike Barnes? Karate's Bad Boy. For sure. Oh, oh no, no. Chosen. Chosen's a fucking. Oh, no, Chosen, Chosen cried. That was the problem. Chosen cried. But he was trained by Sato. He he seemed like he'd be the best, but he cried. He cried over uh, getting caught using illegal weights on the yeah, village on fruit. The, on the carrots. <laughs> on the carrot sales. <laughs> when he was running that 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 
illegal ring to make an extra thirty cents on carrots. <laughs> I, I, I'm going. I'm going with Karate's bad boy, Jason Stewart. Your thoughts weigh in on Steve Carbone's question: Who would win in a fight between Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes, Chosen, and Johnny Lawrence? And go ahead and take a long dead air pause before you answer. <laughs> this, this, this is why I I will vote for the bad boy of karate, and that I, I just think that he, I guess he was the strongest character of them all in 98% of his scenes. Yeah. I guess, I guess everyone has their, um, what do you call that? Their, what, what was Superman's, um, kryptonite. kryptonite. Everyone has their kryptonite. And I guess it's this slow plotting age old karate move, but I have to give it to the bad boy of karate up until that, that point. Yeah, because he dominated every single karate scene. Yes. Even in the first, in the finals in Karate Kid One, Daniel versus Johnny. Daniel won the first two points. He was up two zero. That's yeah. when karate. That's when Johnny had the bloody nose. He went to crease, and he said, "No mercy," or sweep the yeah. leg, or was it yeah. sweep the leg? I mean, sweep whatever. Le- yeah, but Daniel was I up two zero. Like, so yeah, I feel like Daniel's. He's like Samson, and mom jeans are his hair. Like oh, he survives on mom jeans. And like a a half hour earlier, he literally tried to to run him off a cliff and murder him. Yes, yeah, but he doesn't want to swing. Uh, okay, let's let's wrap we, it up. Yes, hey. I was gonna say we yeah. end with the very last scene, which is like for the trilogy for the first time in three movies. Even though we've all been under the assumption that Daniel is giving Miyagi back rubs and toe rubs and maybe some happy endings that are off camera for the first time in three movies, instead of after he wins, raising his hand or bowing to him, Daniel and Miyagi hug. And first embrace in three movies. Yeah. That was the whole point. It was to get everyone to finally see like this. They, they finally come out. They are out as a couple. Now this is it. We're all watching. Yeah. European Rusty's sister even show up at the final match. Yeah, I don't think she's there. Blake Lively's sister. She's, oh no, she's no, going she back to she's no, going she back to her Columbus boyfriend. Yeah, that's yeah, right. She, she, had, she was packing and leaving that night when Daniel went over there after he butchered so, that guy's note. That's I don't, right. I'm not sure the timing is. Is she with Art Schleister? Like who? What <laughs> Ohio State guy? Like, I think that was a little before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So we ended. Eddie we, George. Not. I not just think it yet. was. I thought it was so bizarre. Well, not bizarre, but. It was like almost eerily creepy that this trilogy ends with the first embrace between Miyagi and Daniel. First time they'd ever hugged. They first got time. rid of the love interest. It was just uh, yeah. that. Kind and it was w- just like, here it is, everybody. This is what you've all been hinting at. A 70-year-old Asian man befriending a 19-year-old kid who's 28 in real life. And here he is. And the 70-year-old who's really 50 in real life. Yeah. And here they are hugging and fade to black. Like that was that was their yes, way to tell the story. Yeah. What about Andy Katzenmoyer? Was that eighty nine? Was he that was like mid nineties? Yeah. Oh, he's mid nineties. Okay. Greg Fry, Scotty Graham. They probably who was their black. running backs? No. Okay. Car- Carlos Snow, James Bryant, Tyrone Harrison. One of those guys. It was one of those they guys who headed back to. It was it was Herb Street. I did. Yeah, it was gonna, it's got to be Herbie. I did forget to mention that at 
at one point, it might have been after the final match, um, Miyagi and and Danielson go back and repel back down that cliff and re-fucking-plant yes. the tree. That he almost in those died. climbing scenes that look as realistic as Godzilla yeah. and Mothra. Really what you want to do is go repelling down a sheer thousand-foot cliff face with an 89-year-old Japanese man. Seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, Jay- well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Jason Stewart, anything to add? Long pa- besides I, a long pause. I, hey guys, <laughs> just by the way, and you can clean this up and edit. I I was I was pause. pushing In mute pause. so that everything would just kind of sound better. I was sacrificing I for the betterment you, of uh, the podcast. You're banging it. Maybe put the, um, keep the finger hovering over the mute button. But but I do want to say this to kind of sum this movie up. Um, all you got to do is look at the Wikipedia page. The last sentence of re- the reception the movie got in 2015, director John Avildsen himself called this movie, quote, a poor imitation of the first one. <laughs> and, and just to sum and it all up, was and, <laughs> and a horrible movie. He called it himself a horrible movie. Apparently he didn't see Terry Silver's performance. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, rest in peace, John. But you suck because I don't agree one word. I, I don't agree with one word of that. I didn't. I, no, does I don't. That doesn't sit well with me. No, thank you. Gotta, Sorry, John. Gotta disagree. Steve Carbone, you are the expert. You have the last word. Anything you would like to add? Karate Kid Part Three. We could not have done this without you. You are a savant for this film. What would you like to add? How about 2018? Uh, guys, I have to share something with you. Um, as we know, this franchise is getting rebooted with our original actors, Ralph Macchio and William Zabka. Yes. In a YouTube Red show entitled Cobra Kai. The release date was just announced today, May 2nd. On April 25th, I believe it is. Let me check my email because I have already signed up for this. Um, on April 25th, Fan, not Fandango, one of those things, um, Fathom Events is putting <laughs> on one of those things where they're going to do around the U.S., they're going to do a feature presentation mm-hmm. of the original Karate Kid film. One night only, Whoa. April 25th, in different cities all across the U.S., and then after you watch Karate Kid, you get to watch the first two episodes oh. of Cobra Kai from YouTube Red. I already have purchased my tickets to watch it here. <laughs> Cinemark Frisco Square in XD, Wednesday, April 25th, 7 o'clock. I'm going. I, think, I like where your head's at, Steve. By so, the way, by the way, Carbone, Stevie just saying that I've already purchased my Fathom event tickets. Yeah. I think he's the first human in the history of humanity to say that. The Fathom <laughs> events, for the listeners of this podcast who don't know, they're that filler thing at the beginning of all your movies where they say, go... <laughs> Go see the ballet from Czechoslovakia oh, fun on, facts. on Fathom Events. And I think I've actually tweeted, I've actually sent this tweet several times. I can't wait to get my Fathom Event tickets to that ballet. I'm sure the tickets are really filling up. Sign absolutely nobody. <laughs> what you're saying is the Fathom Events people are like, man, we've sold one ticket to this karate thing so far. And it's one of those. Well, we can't seat. move the date. We've already sold that one ticket. Guys, look at your phone. I just sent you the screenshot of my ticket purchase. Um, 
Um, so yeah, April 25th. It, it's April 25th for everybody. It's one night. It's only doing it. So all you got to do is check your local. You guys got to do this too. I think we should all do it and be sitting there in the back row just I, texting I, each I'm other during the movie. Yes, I'm doing it. It's a Wednesday night, which is tough for me, but uh, I'll, try, I'll try to make it happen. I'll make an, uh, I'll make a, but, a, an but, effort. It, in, we don't know I just if- feel sad that he paid the 150 online fees. <laughs> well, he didn't want them, them to be out of tickets. He could show up and the, and the thing sold out. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, we don't know. We've seen the tra- the trailer for Cobra Kai has been released, and we've gotten very sketchy details about what's happening. But essentially, I guess the plot is 34 years later, Johnny is down on his luck because he hasn't recovered from a kick to the face 34 years previous he's on his floor in his in his apartment and he looks over he's hung over and he's drunk um he goes and sees that cobra kai is shut down he intervenes in some kids outside he steps in one of the kids sees him fighting and says hey will you train me so basically daniel is a car salesman now in the valley and johnny (laughs) reopens the cobra kai dojos and they butt heads Essentially, oh, is fucking works. a. I'm in. I'm How in. badass is it's, Cobra Kai it's going be to be? Good. If Love we it. if we get we if we get a cameo by John Kreese, I will cream myself. How like, about will we, will we get a cameo from Dutch, uh, Judge, God, Bobby, any of those Tommy. guys? Like it's it's got to happen, right? I mean, this isn't this Cobra Kai isn't a movie. It's a I think it's a ten episode series on YouTube Red, not Red Tube for anyone for Jason Stewart. Yep. Yeah. Um, so this is a 10 episode series. They got to crease has got to be a part of this at some point, right? Has to be hundred percent. Mar- I mean, I, I can't How imagine is he not? he's too busy. I'm sure Marty Cove is his agent. Got a call hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so April 25th guys. April 25th. I, I literally, I've bought, I've bought the ticket fucking a month in advance. And when I purchased, when I saw like the, they give you the theater seating and you get to choose your seat. Two people had purchased tickets already. Two. I'm, wow. I'm three. Wow. Because I'm, I'm going by myself. I've, of course. I'm in the back back row. Yeah. There's three people that have purchased tickets as of the other day when I purchased. Uh, them, so. Love it. Uh, all right, guys. Anybody it's, have anything else to add besides Steve Carbone? Jason Stewart. I'm good. I, Ed Daly. I we we have to end this because I got to go to the FathomEvents.com. <laughs> For the first time ever. <laughs> All right. I really appreciate you guys doing it. Um, Steve Carbone, thank you very much. Ed Ed Daly, of course, you're the man. Thank you. Jason Stewart, could not have done it without you as well. Long pause. Until next time. For <laughs> Ed Daly, for Reality Steve, for Jason Stewart, I'm Brian Beckner. This has been episode 214 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We will see you next week. Goodbye. You so clearly. I might have been in love before, but I never felt this strong. Our dreams are young and we both know They'll take us where we want to go Hold me now, touch me now
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.